Wow, thank you. I got ladies clap. I feel really awkward now. Um, but you should not be applauding for me. You should be applauding for who I get to introduce because he's awesome. He and his wife and their daughter. Um, I met Nick a few years ago uh, in here at Scum, I think. And just over that time, God has been working in in the, the lives of he and Crystal to call them to Rwanda. And uh, was it last summer or the summer before? Two summers ago, they got to go and spend time um, in Rwanda. Uh, Nick worked with pastors, and Crystal was working with the medical community, which, and God called them to go back. And we get to be a part of that. And so <clears throat> um, that's why this dessert is happening, which I hope that you all attend. And this is that's we want we believe in what they're doing. We believe that God has called them, and we want to support them in in every ways that every way that we can. And so we've asked Nick to share um, share his heart for God and uh, what God has laid on his heart for us. And so he we have the opportunity to hear that tonight. And so before he comes up here, I'd like to pray for for him and and for us. <laughs> God, I thank you for Nick and Crystal and Grace, and I thank you for just their their heart for you and their desire to follow you wherever you take them. God, I pray that you would provide for them. We know that you love us and that you long to provide for us, and so we ask that you would provide for them as you, as you send them out. I pray for Nick tonight that you would speak through him and speak to him as he speaks to us. God, I pray for us that we would listen, that we would hear, and that it would your words would come into our heads and into our hearts and would change us and would call us into more of who you want us to be and how you want us to be. God, I thank you for tonight, and I pray that you would be glorified above all. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Nick Perolo. Thank you. So the first time I ever gave a sermon, I had a water bottle in my hands. And I didn't know exactly when to take a sip out of the water bottle. So what I did is I opened the bottle cap and kept talking, closed the bottle cap, opened the bottle cap, kept talking, closed it. And I, I think my, my friend, Crystal, at that time counted how many times did I open and close? 70 times of me opening and closing this bottle cap without taking a single sip. I have a stein today. So thank you, Ben, for that uh, introduction. I've been coming to Scum here for five years now, and I know a lot of you, but not all of you. Um, a lot of faces that are, are old friends and new friends, too. So um, just so you know, I'm Nick, and I'm a compulsive reader. Um, and I wish I could say I was, well, you got your clapping, Craig, but the problem is I'm not a compulsive reader of your academic works. And neither, not, not because they're bad, but because I, I'm not a compulsive reader of like uh, ancient literary works either. I'm, I, I'm a compulsive reader of stupid things like billboards. If I, if I see a billboard, billboard, yes, okay. If I see a billboard, I just have to read it. And I could pass by the same billboard 75 times, and every time I pass by, I read it, including this one that says, Texting Kills. 
For more safety tips, please text SAFETY to 79191. I'm also a compulsive reader of bumper stickers. Um, I'm that guy that will tailgate someone to read every single bumper sticker on their car, even if it's in very fine print. And this is why Crystal drives us everywhere. Um, she's a better driver than me by far. Um, I also love reading billboard signs, uh, or I'm sorry, church, church uh, reader boards. This one says, come to church, resistance is futile. A little bit of shout out to the Star Trek people out there. Um, and then I also, it could tend to get you in trouble reading t-shirts too, but I compulsively read t-shirts. Um, this one says, drink till you want me. And it has a, and the next one, this is our get along t-shirt. Two little kids in there. Then this is a t-shirt on a woman. It says, yes, they're fake. My real ones tried to kill me. And then finally, this is the one we're going to talk about tonight. Jesus is coming. Look busy. <sighs> Yes, Jesus is coming. We should look busy. No, well, I don't know. Let's talk about it a little bit. What, what I like about this T-shirt is that it, it's, the person has a really messed up view of who God is, but there's a nugget of truth in there that I want to tease out. Um, we, uh, we hear from a lot of Jesus' parables that, uh, that we don't know when he's going to return, and will we be ready? Will we be like one of the ten virgins with oil? Or will we be like one of, the, one of them that didn't have any oil and has to go away? And then there's parables that give us the sense that we have to be ready when Jesus comes back. But the, we, uh, to, to explain that further, the message of the gospel says that God receives us just as we are. But he receives us unconditionally if we accept him as our leader, if we accept him as our Lord. And then he goes on to transform us into the likeness of himself. And the way it's explained, it was explained to me is Jesus loves me just the way I am, but he loves me too much to leave me this way. He is transforming me into the best me possible as he conforms me into the likeness of his son. And in this way, we don't have to earn God's love for us, but rather we show our love for him by doing what he says. In uh, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so this is the message of the gospel, that we show our love to God for for he showed his love to us. Last week was Easter. We talked about the resurrection when Christ was raised from the dead, atoning our sins. And this week we're going to talk about Jesus' last word, one of, some of his last words to his people before he left. It's called the Great Commission. It's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came to change the world. And he didn't come with an army, but he came to change the world grassroots style. He changes individuals who then, and uses those individuals to change society and then therefore change the world. And so these are his marching orders for his people, for his disciples. This is how he wants us to change the world. So read with me Matthew 28, 18 through 20. There it is. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the gist of this command is this, make disciples. If you look at the Greek, the main verb there is make disciples. 
And then that's explained by the three, the three explaining, explaining participles there that say, go, baptize, and teach. So the, the gist of this is make disciples by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. This is Jesus' commands to us. This is the, his last words. These are his marching orders for us. So the t-shirt, Christ is coming, look busy. Well, not so much. It's more like Christ is coming, so here's, he's changing the world, and here's the part that you could play in it. The first thing is make disciples. Now, does anyone know what a disciple is? Just to explain it, a disciple is one who lives their life according to the way of a person. And, for example, one person that you could be a disciple of, apparently, is Bolas. If you are a Magic the Gathering uh, fan, the disciple of Bolas is someone who, when you play that card, anyone a Magic the Gathering fan? Anyone? Okay, when you play that card, apparently um, you sacrifice another creature and you gave, gain the amount of life that the number of their power and the draw and the number of cards were that power. Anyway, all that to say I don't play Magic the Gathering, but... Um, Apparently, Lord Bolas has shown me how each miserable life holds untold resources. This person is a disciple of Bolas and has learned from Bolas and does what Bolas wants. I'm not a disciple of Bolas. I'm a disciple of Christ. If you're a Christian, if you believe in Christ, you follow the way of Christ. You do what Christ says. Which isn't sacrificing people for the power, but rather making disciples by going baptizing, and by teaching. Um, so make disciples. What is it? And he explains this by saying, what, uh, by make disciples by going. There it is. Good. Go where? Go to all nations, right? That's what it says in the text. Go to all the world. Go to all the, and make disciples of the nations. And the way it's played out in the Bible, if you read the book of Acts, Philip goes out. Uh-oh. Oh. Okay, didn't jump ahead. Sorry, I gestured and he read my gesture wrong. So, oh man. Coming back, bring it back in. So Philip went out to the Samaritans. He went to the Samaritans. Then later on you have Paul and Barnabas going out to Asia Minor, or the place that's Turkey now. Then later on you have Paul and Silas going out to the area that's Greece now. And then you, uh, if you read church tradition, you hear about Thomas who went all the way over to India. He went that way. And then you hear about um, Peter. He also went to Rome and went to the nations that way. But before any of that happened, you see that Peter was able to make disciples of the nations without even leaving Jerusalem because the nations came to there. Now, I don't know if you've walked in downtown Denver at all, but, or if you've ever heard about the uh, African uh, Cultural Center, refugees are coming to the U.S. The nations are coming to the U.S. The nations are coming to Denver. We, so... There's a sense that we're supposed to go to the, to the world, but the way it's played out is that, that Denver, the people that need to hear, are here. So sometimes obeying God by going means going. And sometimes obeying God by going means staying, like Peter did in Acts 2. Um, 
Before we were married, Crystal, uh, Crystal went on a, a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. Anyone familiar with YWAM, DTSs? It was a really life-changing experience for her. Um, we'll talk about that later at the dessert. Um, and she came back, and she had still had such a heart for AIDS in Africa and, and AIDS orphans. And she prayed to God, God, let me go back. And God said, not yet. Essentially, there's work you have to do here. And there was work. Crystal ended up being a youth, uh, a youth minister at, uh, at a church. And she changed lives that way. She went off to college and got her nursing uh, degree. And while she was there, she brought some people to Christ and was in the process of discipling them too. So there was a sense that God had worked for her where she was. Not only was she preparing for our future ministry in Africa, but God had ministry for her right there as well. Besides, if she had gone back to Africa, she never would have met me, and then her life would have been terrible, right? She would never have had grace, and then her life would have been terrible. Okay. So, um, obeying God's call to go and make disciples of the nations means going where he's called you to go but also being where he's called you, where, where you are right now. So what does this look like? Um, God's called me to teach, to teach pastors in Africa who, who desire more education. And by the way, shameless plug, there's going to be a dessert. After, after this. And we would love for you to come get more information about what exactly we're going to do in Rwanda. I, I promise this is probably the last shameless plug for the dessert until the benediction, in which we will shamelessly plug the dessert again. Um, but we're going to have Rwandan coffee, tea, and it'll be fun. There'll be desserts. And if you can't come to this, please sign up in the back, and we'll get you more information that way. But God's called me to be, an, to be a, a missionary to Africa. But guess what? I'm not in Africa right now, so guess what I get to do? I get to be a missionary at Starbucks. God's called me to wake up every morning and go to Starbucks, go to work. And make disciples there by going to work. And I got to tell you, I'm not always good at it. In fact, I pretty much suck at being a Christian at work sometimes. And I realized this recently because I, I got a new shift supervisor. I'm going to call him Joe. And Joe was promoted just before he came to our store. And he was untrained, had no cash handling skills, didn't have a – you know how some people just get how to, how to organize things and run the show? He just didn't have that kind of mind to do that well. So he was incompetent. He was undertrained. And he drove me crazy because he just didn't know how to do it. And I wouldn't get my lunch for six hours or my meal for six hours. And by then my stomach's grumbling and I start to get cranky if I get hungry. And so, like, I realized that I'm, I'm being, like, not only am I getting cranky, but I'm being mean to him. And I'm being mean to everyone around me. I'm being mean to the customers because of... Because all because of what Joe has been doing to me here. And, I'm re- and it took me about a month of this happening before I, the light bulb finally went on in my head. Like, hey, you know what? I'm called to be here and to be a light here. So for me, at that moment, at this moment, God calling me to go and make disciples means that I have to go to Starbucks with an attitude 
And my prayer actually began this way. God, help me not to say anything mean to Joe. Not, not help me be nice to Joe, help me to be perfect, help me be a light to the Gentiles of all nations as they walk through my door. No, the, help me to keep my mouth shut. That's where it had to start with me. And thankfully, thankfully, um, through the process, God actually gave me an opportunity to actually become friends with him before he realized his incompetence and got a different job. <laughs> True story. Um, but the fact that it was, for me, it was very affirming because he got to see the change in me before I found out that he, he was leaving. So I wasn't happy because he was leaving. Does that make sense? I was happy because Christ was living in me as he should to shine where God had called me. Um, so, short story, where? Where are you called to go? Go there. But you're here. So be here too. Wherever you are, make disciples there. Make disciples by baptizing them. Now, baptism. Baptism literally means dunking, like immersing in water. And we use it for when we immerse people in water, which is the sacrament of the church, which initiates people into the body of Christ. Um, when we baptize people, we say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And hopefully there's, doesn't take you don't have a stuttering pastor while they do it, because... You might not make it back up. Um, But there's more to it than just the dunking. What's done in in the name of someone, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Jesus, the name is the authority. You pray in Jesus' name. You're praying in the authority of Jesus. You're praying because you know your prayers are the words that Jesus has for this situation. It's not a magic formula to make it happen but it's an understanding that your heart matches Christ's heart in this moment of prayer. In the same way, when you baptize someone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're baptizing them in the authority, and you're bringing them under the authority of Christ. You're bringing them into the church. So in the sense, instead of using the word baptism, I like to use the word bring. Um, is that word up there? Bringing. Yes, there we go. And when you're, but we're bringing people to Christ. You're bringing people to this group to see what we got. Um, I think uh, we might have jumped ahead to the, uh, to the Cinnabon slide. The church needs to be like Cinnabon. There we go. Um, we, uh, well, well, baptism is literally putting someone underwater. It's figuratively bringing them to Christ, and we bring them to the church. And we need to be like Cinnabon. Have you ever walked past a Cinnabon without smelling Cinnabon, without your mouth watering for Cinnabon, without wanting a Cinnabon, without looking longingly to see if they might have the little samples there of little Cinnabons. And I'll bet you, your mouths are all watering now for Cinnabon because mine's watering because you know Cinnabon knows how to sell their product. But we're not selling a product here. We're telling people about the most important thing in the world. We're telling people about the God of the universe who has very good news that he has loved you from the beginning of time, that he has accepted you, that he is forgiving you, and that if you receive him, he will bring you into relationship with himself and he'll begin to change you and make you more like Christ, which will make you the best you you could possibly be eventually in heaven 
perfection. But in that process of changing, this is the good news. And this is what we're bringing people to. When we bring people to church, the Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples, they'll know that you belong to me by your love for one another. Our church needs to be so full of love and fellowship that, that and we do this pretty well here at SCUM, that, that, that everyone who's outside looks in and says, I want a piece of that. And then they hear about Christ, and we bring them to, Christ, to church. We bring them to Christ. And this way, we are making disciples. So, what does this look like? Well, at work, at school, the first step is living out the values of Christ, being a disciple of Christ where you are. And then I know that a lot of us like the anonymity of people not knowing that we're Christians because then it doesn't matter how we behave. Personally, I don't have a little Jesus sticker on my car because I'm afraid because I drive terrible. I don't want to be a bad witness that way, but there's a sense that maybe I should have the sticker on the back of my car because that will force me to be intentional. The first step here is being intentional about, about letting them know you're a Christian, living out those values. Crystal, one, one way that Crystal does this at her work, her friends can't believe that she's going to leave a well-paying job as a nurse to go to Africa and not be paid at all there. For why? Why, why don't you want to live in America? Like, isn't it dangerous over there? You're really going to bring grace over there? It's like, no, we're going to leave her in a little... We're going to leave her in the crib and send her packages. No, it's, they just don't get it. But Crystal, in the process of explaining, no, this is what God's called me to. She's being a light where she works. And for me, like I, I have a, I have a, a friend she, who told me, hey, I can't go to church on Easter Sunday because I have to work. I'm like, well, come to my church. We're, we're, uh, we, we have church on Sunday nights. And she's like, what church do you go to? I'm like, oh, it's Scum of the Earth Church. And she said, oh, I've heard of Scum of the Earth Church. They, they swear during the service, don't they? And I said, hell yeah, they do. But the point is, like, being intentional, when, when God gives you an opportunity to speak, speak. Be living out your values. So we go. We bring And then the last one is we teach them. Back to Matthew 28. He's called us to make disciples by teaching. And as we make disciples, we teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. Now, I don't know if you've read the Bible or not, but there's parts of it that I just don't like to obey. And I think a lot of us in America are kind of against people telling us what to do, even if they're the God of the universe. What did Jesus command? We all know the, the great commandments to love God more with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. But even in America, our understanding of what love is is so messed up by our culture. We really need to study the life of Jesus to understand what it means to actually love God and to love others because Jesus was the only one who ever did that perfectly. We need to read the other words of the Bible because these are the words that, are, that, that God gave to help us know how we should live in light of Jesus' life, how we could become more like him, how we can obey him to show our love for him. 
And there's more. In preparation for going to Rwanda, um, I think Ben mentioned I, I, got, I went to Denver Seminary, and I, I studied intercultural ministries there. And, you know, you learn all about cultures, right? And we all know that cultures are beautiful. We learned that in school. And, and, but we also, what you don't know is, like, every culture has their own different worldview. They see the world a little bit different. But even more from, from a biblical perspective, every culture has some way that, that it's tweaked just enough that your, your cultural default points you away from God and towards sin. In Rwanda specifically, they have this, this, this issue of jealousy. Now, for example, if your best friend wins the lottery, you kind of be like, oh, man, I wish it was me. And you'd be like, well, I'm, I'm really happy for them. But I, I wish it was me, but I'm really happy for them. In Rwanda, if your best friend wins the lottery, it eats you alive. There's this jealousy that grows in you. And from the best of my knowledge, where this comes from is Africa or Rwanda is a, a country of, of very few natural resources. So they, they have a concept of a limited good. So if there's this much good and your friend gets this much of it, that, there's that much less good that you could possibly have. And so what you do is you undermine them and try to destroy them until they lose their good so that good is released back into the universe so that you might possibly get more of it for yourself. It's a really twisted part of their culture. And while we would hear the, the Bible verse, rejoice with those who rejoice, and we could do that, in Rwanda they just can't because their culture fights against it. Now, there's plenty of fingers to point back at ourselves, too. In America, in America we, uh, we struggle with different things. Uh, we have a hard time respecting our elders, that's something that they're really good at doing in Rwanda. In America, we're captivated by self-reliance, as I mentioned before, and greed. We love watching violence. And our understanding of love and sex is so messed up. And these are all ways that we need to study the Word. We need to be taught by the Word of God so that we can be changed. And that by being changed ourselves, our culture can change. And then our world can be changed. Um. Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And none of us have it down, but in this community, there's a process of we're sharpening each other. And there's a sense that we're being taught as we're being made disciples. And we're being sent out to go and bring and to teach others. Um, so, Mike asked me to ask this question. How many of you remember the sermon from last Sunday? The title. Raise your hand if you remember the title from last Sunday. Raise your hand. Anyone. What's the title from last Sunday? What's that? Resurrection. Absolutely. It was about the resurrection. She was listening to anyone? Sermon from last Sunday. It was about the resurrection. Seven reasons. Thanks, Mike. Now, can you name can you name three of those reasons? Go. Right, the life change of Paul. The empty tomb. The, the testimony of women. That's right. Thank you. So good job. Woo!
<laughs> now, I, I put you all on the spot, and a lot could happen in a week. And, and if your week was as crazy as mine, then, then you might have forgotten as well. But, but I think the problem is that as we, as we hear the Word of God, are we letting it get deep into our hearts to change us? In James, they, they refer, uh, James refers to the Bible as a mirror. And he says that a lot of people, they look at the mirror, and then they turn away and forget what they, saw, what, what they look like. That, and instead, what we need to do is we need to look into the mirror of the Word of God, see who we are, see what God's working on, and let Him transform us. Be involved in that process. And part of that is paying attention to sermons. Part of that is getting involved in a Bible study here at SCUM, studying the Word of God with others. Part of it is studying by yourself as well. But with any one of these without the other, there's, it's just you'll, you'll be an uh, emaciated Christian. We need to let others teach us, and we need to be in environments where we teach others as well. Um, so the first question was where. The second question was who. Now we ask, What? What? What is God teaching you? What truth does the world need to hear about God from you? Now, there's one final thing here. And this final truth is the one that makes the T-shirt completely irrelevant. Um, it's, what does what is, what is, uh, the Great Commission begin with? All authority on heaven, in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The T-shirt says... Jesus is coming, look busy, but there's a reality that Jesus is here. He's with us. And it's a good thing, too. Because if he wasn't with us, we would have no power. We'd be trying to change ourselves in our own power. We'd be trying to change other people's minds in our own power. We'd be trying to have the, the discipline to stay where we are in our own power. But the reality is that Christ is with us to give us the words to say, to give us the perseverance to study. He's with us, and in this way, he's going to change people's hearts as we speak. It isn't our words. It's Christ moving in them, the Holy Spirit moving in them that's going to change them. Christ isn't a parent that's going to catch us playing a video game if, uh, if he comes back too soon. Rather, he's more like this. He's more like the master craftsman teaching us what to do being there with us as we're doing it. And we're helping him. The work that we're doing helps God. And in the process of helping God, we are being changed. So God's given us the job to do. He's given us the job of making disciples. And I hope every one of you sees your life as an opportunity to make disciples and to become a disciple. So go wherever he's called you. Bring people to Christ and church and teach. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we want to serve you with our whole lives. Or maybe better yet, we want to want to serve you. God, we, we want to be changed. We want to become like your son so we can be the best us. We, want, we don't want our lives to be meaningless, but we want to change the world. 
So, Lord, use us. Give us opportunities to go. Give us opportunities to bring. Give us opportunities to teach. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.